Welcome to the Heart of Real Estate Podcast with Mike McFarlane and Stephen Salinas with the Mortgage Mike Group. On the podcast, Mike and Stephen discuss with top producing real estate agents what makes them successful, unique, and purpose-filled. Each episode holds a key to unlocking a door to financial freedom. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Heart of Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Mike McFarland. Yes, I am Stephen Salinas, and we are so glad you guys are listening today. Um, I'm excited for this podcast because I, f- I feel like it's a very um, unique perspective on how real estate agents can work with um, their clients and how to provide a real professional experience. Mike, yeah. do you want to inter- introduce our guest today? Yeah, well, so like uh, in conjunction with that, you're listening to the right podcast if you're looking for a, a systematized approach to um, gaining trust with your client and ultimately closing the sale. You're That'd sure you're interviewing me? I think right? I am, okay. Mike. Okay, <laughs> right. okay. We have, just, so, just want to make sure. We're pretty confident uh, we're right. interviewing the right, we're, the right we're, guy. We're, yeah, we're real confident about that. So, yeah, we have a great guest today, Mike Roller. Thank you. Mike, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank Thanks. Thanks. Pleased there. to be here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, why don't we just give our guests, our listeners, um, just a, a little background on your journey into real estate. I know uh, it's a second career for you, right? Correct. Yeah. So, how did you how did you get to this point in time? Uh, real quick story. I was in California. I've almost had a real estate license all my life, which you can see is quite a while. Right. So, um, but I was in California helping people understand that the market there was overinflated. So I was helping them buy homes here in Houston right. in okay. the late 80s, right. where the price differential between California, where average price was maybe six or 700 and here you could buy homes at 25,000, 30, 40. Right. Wow. So that it was that high back in back in the 80s. It's always been high in California, oh but it goes goodness. up and down. Just right. it's a little bit more uh, extreme there than it is here. Houston market normally except for the crashes that we hit nationwide. Okay. But so I was doing 1031 basically tax-free exchanges. That got me here and wow. then um it's, I was here as a child up till age five okay. and then revisited why I liked Houston. Nice people, nice climate, mm-hmm. easier pace of life, more quality life than California. Right. So I sold a business and was just doing the 1031 investment properties temporarily. But um, as fate happens, we all, you know, do things for different reasons. Yeah, absolutely. And then it just evolved to the point in which I was out. I was like being on the outside of major cities. So mm-hmm. I was in Fulcher, which at the time in the late eighties, no one had heard of Fulcher. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you needed a visa to get past highway six. So, <laughs> so that has true. changed. It, it has changed. It's so true. that's what got me here. And it's just involved yeah. um, since then. Tell us about I love it. Um, your company and your team. Okay, so I started off uh, very short with Caldwell Banker. That okay. lasted about six months. Then I bought a Remax franchise. Um, I thought the vision of growth was headed west, um, which I, I it has. Since, I think that was the yeah. right vision in okay. the city. Maybe I hit that one right. So <laughs> nice. um, I thought it'd be wise and to protect my interests to have a national company behind me because someone else was going to go to Fulcher. And whether it was Remax or any of the others. So I thought I'd be first. So in small little Fulcher, I became the, I was either top one, two, or three in the state almost every year. Fantastic. And then one time made it 10th in the nation for Remax out of 100,000 agents. So in Fulcher, competing against everybody else, you know, nationwide. So that was our claim to fame that our system kind of works. They're probably like looking up, it's like, where is Mike Roller? Yeah. Where is this guy? Yeah, that's right. They're zooming in like, Fulcher. There's yeah. nobody, <laughs> yeah. there's nobody yeah. there. Yeah. He's in the middle yeah. of nowhere. <laughs> so when I first got there, the population for the sign was 783 people. Okay. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Wow. Anyway, so that that's kind of what got me to where we are. Yeah. But we do things wow. a little differently, as we have mentioned. For sure. And you definitely you, do. You have your own company now. It's United I do. Remax so there, right? a quick story on that is... Remax did very well for me, and I'll always support Remax. Very good system, very good mm-hmm. agents, but we do things differently. So when you do them differently, you know, my, my views on real estate are a little different. So basically, 
most see realtors kind of through one lens. Yeah. So when you're with Remax, that made you just a Remax agent. So even as good as they are, you're still characterized by a Remax agent. We don't do what they do. We're not set up the way that they are set up. Mm -hmm. So we are then branded with a brand that doesn't match. Very so true. by coincidence, we started Roller Realty. What a coincidence. That happens to be my last name. Go, go figure that. Roller Realty. <laughs> but so then I switched to create our own brand for that reason. So we're not just the same as every other Remax agent. Again, mm -hmm. as good as they are, we're just different. Not saying better, just different. Different. So that was the reason for doing our Got own it. branding. So what's different? Okay. So I have different views on real estate. And, I remember and, this is a fun okay. conversation. Yeah. Well, it's not a fun one for most. <laughs> so we thought it was fun. But what, one of my favorite adages that no one's going to like that's in real estate is when you can't do anything else in life, you become a realtor. Right. So the real estate industry is comprised, not like other professions. If you're a doctor, you know, the, the expectations and the demands are higher, a CPA, attorney, right. an engineer, but with realtors, you can be at any level. And that's the benefit of being a realtor. Yeah. You can do anything you want, when you want, how you want, no real supervision. So doesn't take much money and you have the opportunity to earn more than the other professions that I mentioned, more than doctors, more than surgeons Yes, okay, in real estate. The Detriment to that, though, is when you can do anything that you want without supervision, then a lot of people do what they want, and that's not necessarily the best to run a business. Very Gotcha. Yeah. So the, to run something successfully, they usually run on fundamentals. So I had the benefit of working for three large um, corporations that invested a lot in training. So I was fortunate, blessed mm -hmm. to be instilled, trained with fundamentals of running a, a large corporation. But a small business, whether it's one person or a thousand, it still runs on basics. Mm -hmm. So we run a business as a business and not as a hobby. No offense to someone that's doing it part time or whatever else. But if you're going to be successful, you need to have what the vision is, what the model is. You know, you have to track what you do. So that was the basics, fundamentals on real estate, which it's always surprised me. Again, on if you look at the corner grocery store, so that went out of business 20 years ago because it's not efficient. You look at what realtors are paid relative to the effort and experience extended so you can get someone that's not motivated, not skilled, new in the business, doesn't really give client service. They earn the same amount on a per transaction basis as someone that's highly skilled, very motivated, does the best for their clients, does everything right, and they still split the same commission. Right. Well, so the only way to differentiate yourself or to earn more is you need to do things that are different, but yet the public perceives realtors as realtors. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're basically mostly the same. Everybody will disagree with that. But by and large, once you get past what most, if you ask a, a seller, what is a realtor going to do for you? That's not or past putting on a lockbox, photos on har, a little bit of staging, a sign out front, have the client or the seller tell you what's next on the list. Right. So that's why they see everybody the same. Okay. They just like this person better than that person. They're likable or whatever else. And they'll go further. Oh, you list more homes in this area than someone else does. So, I mean, there's some... But the clients still, the sellers still see it basically the same. And my other view so is when you're getting that much money, so if you're selling a $600,000 house, which is kind of mid-range right now, the seller pays 
$36,000. Right. Now, the listing agent doesn't get it all. Mm -hmm. Normally, there's a, a buyer's agent. And then you split with your broker if you have a broker, if you're not on your own. But the seller, regardless, pays 6%, $36,000. And if you equate that to a staff mm -hmm. that's getting a reasonable amount of money, if you're paying them forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000, then that's a half a year's salary for someone working eight days, eight hours a day, five days a week for what a realtor is going to do on that listing. So it's not comparable that the, mm -hmm. the amount of money that a seller pays is disproportionate to what most do. Right. So that's a fundamental that I have. It's different than most everybody else's. I just look at it. I mentioned run a business as a, as right. truly as a business. So that's where it starts. So if you're going to earn that amount of money, then we believe you should do something for the client that justifies that amount of commission. Right. So that's that. That was the impetus or the essence of our business. How we got started is justifying what we do and how we benefit our seller. It's the same for the buyers, the, what we do for buyers as well. Anybody on the planet can open a, a door and say, here's the kitchen. Right. Okay? Now, they may do it with different inflection, but what, a, but what a buyer really wants is they would prefer most of the time an agent not be there. Just have someone unlock the door and I'll look at the house myself. That's why they buy new homes. Okay. Go through a model, find the home you want, see the salesperson. So whether it's for buyers or sellers, it's now what you do that's in the interest of that client that you have, that you're going to somehow justify your commission to a level that far exceeds what a client believes you might do. Because they don't believe you do much. Okay. By and large, they really don't. True. Say is sure. is my view, and I, and I said that's all of this can be deleted. <laughs> okay, okay. So you it's don't offend everybody. Okay, <laughs> I think it challenges the listener. I mean, I think right, it makes them reflect on okay, what am I doing to differentiate myself? I remember when we were um, hearing about you and your team. I just kind of imagine like um like a like a SEAL Team Six. Have you ever seen him storm inside of a? inside of a building. I kind right. of imagined that. And I also kind of imagined um, like Chip and Joanna from HGTV. Um, I'm sure you know where I'm kind of going with this, yes. Mike. That's but a good lead in. I, I really, when I imagined it, I'm like, wow. I was like, now, I, this I is really cool. This is genius. This is genius. It's a great. Well, that's kind of an over overstatement by about <laughs> what, You're whatever from, from you are. Yeah. That's so okay. say anyway. I'm, say I'm, going to sell my house, what process would I go through? Say I, I call, um, roller realty. All right. What does it look like? So we mentioned first to the client that there will be a team of us that visit you to look at your house and first to understand your motivations for selling. And everybody has different motivations. We talked about earlier, whether it's a divorce, a, a first, a forced sale, they're moving up, they're moving down, they're moving out of the state, they're moving to, up the street. Mm -hmm. So we want to first find out what their motivations are and how we can help them accomplish that. Because anytime you move, it's very traumatic. Everything changes. Your finances changes, your neighbors change, the schools change, your utility bills change, the direction that your house faces changes. Everything is going to change when they move. So we want to help them identify so they, when they're moving, where they're moving towards, okay? Because that's, mm -hmm. it's a two, Texas two-step, got to move from this house into the next one. So you have to be able to time it. So we want to know what the timing is mm -hmm. first so we can make that transition as easy as possible. Okay. Then what we do with our team, I have an on-staff paid stager, on-staff, okay? At our expense, we don't charge our clients anything, okay? Wow. So the three of us... Normally, at least three will visit because once you get three, it's a little it too a little many. too busy. Yeah. So it'll be myself, an agent, and there's only two agents, one, one and two. And then 
we have a large support staff. So just a transgression. Most real estate offices, the brokers earn more money by having more agents. We don't do that. That was the, that was the model also with especially Remax. They basically sell desk space and you get most, the agent gets most of the commission and they get fees from that more so than a higher commission split. So what we do is we are staff heavy and not agent heavy. So rather than just adding more agents, which dilutes what you do to some degree. So if you have one good agent, maybe you can get two, but when you have 20, there's an average. You'll have your, your worst and your best wherever that is, but it pulls down the, the level. Okay. So we wanted to maintain a, a level that we are comfortable with. So one agent, a designer, stager, and myself. So then we look at what the house offers as is and what it could be. Knowing that a seller normally does not want to sp- spend any money or inconvenience on remodeling their home or updating it. Mm-hmm. We happen to be in a unique area in which Fulcher is comprised this last month 81% of all the homes on the market are new. Oh, such competition. So different than anywhere right. else. So east, five miles east of us, that dynamic is not present. All the homes are older, all the way to Galveston, by and large. I mean, there's a few new here and there, but they're not building entire subdivisions at a time. You know, multiples at a time, they're all new homes. So we compete against the new. But if, even if you're in other subdivisions, you're still competing against the other homes on the market. So basic fundamentals, if you're in retail, it's, it's how you market your product to get someone to buy your product over someone else's. So in, in grocery stores, it's shelf space and whatever else that you fight for. So we look at how we're going to position that home in the marketplace to extract more value from that home than others or if they didn't do anything. Okay. So as is or do this. Some level of get, doing this. Get you more. So a, a, a quick tangent, the listing that I was on just before here, they remodeled a home and forgot to put in a pantry and they don't have any, hardly any kitchen cabinets. Now that's going to be a problem. Yes, okay? that is. And that, this is a $900,000 house that is over the top on the lake, pool and whatever else. But that's going to be a problem because almost no cabinet space and no pantry. You can get by one, not both. So we look at how to redesign it easily and cost effectively. So first we go through what does the house offer? What does it need? And then we get estimates for what it's going to cost to do. You get the estimates. We get get the estimates and we get them within two or three days. Yeah. Wow. And we do it at normally almost half of what anybody else can do. First, we don't have a GC, a general contractor, our designer stager. We have the crews. We get the estimates. Then we decide what to do, what color granite, what shade, how it matches with the floors, how it matches with the paint colors, everything else, what's updated, what's not, light fixtures, everything else. Then... We look at what the cost is, and if the cost is too high, you have to balance it as to how much you're going to get out. So normally, our rule of thumb is to whatever we ask a seller to do, it needs to double their money. Okay. Okay? And then that's the second step. Once we've analyzed everything that a seller could or should do, we then invite them to our office. And a lot of realtors are, are told or taught differently. At that listing appointment, bring the listing agreement, Right. run the comps, and then get the listing. Okay. So we don't do that because that doesn't give a client, a seller, enough information to really discern really what their house is worth. There's actually probably 50 different things that affect the value of a house. So if you took two homes, identical builder, identical floor plan in the same neighborhood, the value of those homes can be dramatically different. 
put one west facing, put one with old college furniture with three dogs and two kids, and it's a mess. One painted it orange or whatever on the inside, one faces west, one backs up to a, a, a busy street, the other's on a cul-de-sac. So one's on a view lot, one's not. So that's two homes with the identical floor plan, and the value of those are going to be disproportionate based upon the desirability that a buyer has when they walk through that house. Right. So that's even with two homes that are, that are basically the same. So we know when a seller looks at comps, especially in this area, that's not all new homes because they're all unique by and large. So when you have unique homes running comps, you just can't say the average is $240 a square foot or 180 or 150 or 10, whatever it is. They are not the same. So sitting down with a, a seller to just give them a nice presentation with vertical graphs, horizontal graphs, and says, here's what your home's worth. We don't feel that's adequate. So the first step, which is, and we mentioned this as well, no offense to other realtors, is that there's a conflict of interest to get a listing versus what's in the client's best interest. To get a listing, you don't want to offend them and it's better to give them a price that they like rather than offend them and at a price that they don't like. That's the conflict that you have when you meet with a seller. The irony, though, the ultimate irony is when you help someone identify a problem and give them honest advice, they bond with you. So, Is that true? It, it, it's interesting that if you just tell them how nice their kids are and pet their dog and, and they like you and you agree with everything, it's different when someone tells you you have a bad dog and your daughter's ugly. <laughs> 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 Not really, but that's what came to mind. Right. Anyway, that <laughs> it, it overemphasizes the point yeah. that if, you're re if you can – Educate. That's what we do. We educate clients. That's, mm -hmm. all, that's all it is. Mm -hmm. We know the market. We explain what the market is. We give them the options on what they can do based upon what they choose to do. We do all the work for them. We, as I mentioned, we identify what to do, which is a skill set. Then we get the estimates. Then we pick out granites, tiles, paint colors, everything else for them because it's too hard for most anybody to do. Yes, it is. We supervise the work and we charge them zero. Okay. Yeah. But we get referrals off of it. And I said, this works for us and it probably doesn't work for a lot. Then we have where you have your own equipment here and everything else because you all are state of the art. You're doing things differently than others. Thank you. We have our own <laughs> drones. We have our own Matterport. We do these fancy... 14-page, full-color, magazine-quality brochures because that, again, provides a different view of the house, something with quality, kind of an off-tangent example. Put a for-sale sign, tilt it, and make it dirty, and I'll let you know it affects the value of the house, right. a for-sale sign. Right. It looks old and dirty in the house must be, Okay. So you start from there all the way up. Yeah, every realtor knows the landscaping and the front doors, you know, kind of faded or, you know, chipping or whatever. That's why they're at the door. That's going to affect the value of the house. Unmade beds affect the value of the house. Dirty dishes affect the house. Yeah. Well, if you're going to sell a car, most everybody instinctively knows they're going to wash and wax that car. Get out the McDonald's wrappers with with pickles in it that smells the car smells. You would do that. Right. Now sell an eight hundred thousand dollar house, and most sellers, by and large, most don't apply the same principle to a car. Yeah. They just need to be guided and and educated on why that's in their interest. They're selling for something for six hundred thousand dollars, and they're paying a realtor. $36,000. Mm -hmm. So we look at it from that dynamic first. Okay. Those two items, something that shows better sells for more and it sells quicker. So that that's how we do it. So then what we do is 
We do a two-step process. We get the estimates and everything else, then we invite the client to our office. We have a big screen, doesn't matter, you can have a small little iPad. Then we show them every which way we can the visual comps to what they are going to compete against. So it's not square footage. It can be. I mean, they're guidelines. Mm -hmm. But they get to see actually either what the homes are in their neighborhood, but a buyer isn't just buying in their neighborhood. If they're a $600,000 buyer, they're looking in more than one place. Right. So we, we first go to the neighborhood Look at those. Then we expand from a buyer. Now you're a buyer. Okay? We're going to show you. Here's what buyers are buying now in this price range. And we show them. Here's all the homes in that price range. How does yours measure up relative to as it is today compared to these homes? Then we look at price per square foot because you have an appraiser. True. So now we have to look at it and we educate them on how appraiser looks at things. You can't. And everybody knows watching this, you know, they have their guidelines. You know, they, they can only do adjustments based upon certain factors, as you all know. We know okay? too well. Okay. Right. So we don't want to lose a sale by having a house that's not going to appraise. So we educate the seller on the issues that they're going to have with an appraisal. Then it's always the market, just like you all do. You're sensitive to the interest rates. Mm -hmm. You're either going to lock in today or you're not going to lock in today. Well, time of year affects the value of a house. You list one in November, it's different than listing it in March. When they look at comps that were nine months old, six months old, that's the market. That's not the market today. Okay? We're in a different market than we were six months ago. And now with interest rates going up and down like this, it changes almost monthly. True. All of those we now share with the seller. So it's an informative educational meeting not to get the listing. It is to educate the buyer or the seller first on what their house is worth and what they need to be able to do to get the most for it. Once we do that, it they just sign the listing agreement. Okay, you can't help it. So like, you, please help. They're like, please help me. Well, they, <laughs> the they need it because again, <laughs> most sellers don't know how to renovate a house. They don't have the resources. They don't have the time to go to three different granite yards. They don't know which ones to use. They don't know the price differential if you do this or whatever else. Okay. So we should be experts at what we do. There should be a skill set minimum on what we get. See, it goes back to, again, for the amount that we get paid, mm -hmm. we should have a value that's commensurate with the earnings that we earn. So if, if you're a part-time realtor and you do a friend of yours and you get $15,000, you made a lot of money by not doing much and not, you don't have to be very, no, you don't skill. have to know anything because your friend's going to list with you anyway. Right. And, and you list their house and maybe you did it right, maybe you did it wrong, but you get a listing. Okay? That is as far from where we are as we want to, would we want to be. That's, I love that. So that's kind of the essence of it. It goes back to everything is client driven, driven to justify what we do on a daily basis. And we just opt to do more than most anyone would do. But if you look at drones, Matterport, brochures, so you spend, I don't know, $1,000. Well, you got, look at what you're doing for the seller. Mm -hmm. Then we you know, when we stage, it's I have, I have to have a van. Then I have maybe fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars worth of staging items. Then you have to rent a storage unit. But that makes a difference because some homes don't look right. You know, an X when they have nine pictures on the wall, it's not in a photo well. Mm -hmm. Take the nine down and put up one nice one. Well, they don't have the one nice one, so we do. So all of it goes back to. Looking at how you would market someone's home if you only looked at their interest first. By doing that, you get, you know, the old saying is if you look out for your client first, you get the rewards in return 10 mm -hmm. times over. So that is our niche. And it, and it probably won't work for everybody. Okay. But 
since you all invited me here. Yes. <laughs> I'm sharing you yeah. what, what we do in our little niche in Fulshire, Texas. But it's the belief first, as I mentioned, you have to run a business as a business directed and then try to justify your commissions. You know, a lot of agents, they'll be off $300 on an inspection report and they won't do anything. The agent won't pay $300. Right. We do a $300. How much did you make? Yeah, right. Okay. Would you have noticed if the sales price was $10,000 less? So rather than it being 600000 you really sold it for six five ninety. You wouldn't have noticed the $300, but you do when you have to write a check. Right? Mm, interesting. So anyway, wow. it, it's all those factors that go together and, and it's summarized. Just put the, run a business like a business. Find out your niche in the marketplace, do the best for the client, and then you'll, you'll probably be more successful. Wow. What, what, a, a, what a wealth of knowledge. I know. <laughs> I, and I hear there's so much value that you – there's, there's a value give at every step of the process. right? You're, so when a seller isn't really – I mean, as a seller, it's typically like, well, an agent shows up. They tell me what my house is worth. I either agree or disagree. I like them or I don't. I sign a listing agreement and that's done. Right. They're, that's it. Well, I'll relate that, it to your business. You compete against Rocket Mortgage. Yeah, exactly. Well, currently. Tell me what <laughs> difference there possibly could be as you're buying money. Right. Okay. That's all you're doing. Mm -hmm. So in the real estate business, it's almost the same. So you're not differentiated unless you differentiate yourself like you're doing today. Correct. Creative. But if you're competing against Rocket Mortgage, and then then you have to offer something different to justify what you do. Well, you do. So there's a difference. Well, there's a difference with each realtor. But there should be a huge difference between the ones, you can cut this, that shouldn't be in business at all. Okay? Yeah. Same with your, same with oh your business. Gosh. Yes, okay? absolutely. But it is, again, what I mentioned is, by and large... Clients, whether you're represent a buyer or a seller, they see realtors the same. Yeah. And on the buyer side, even less so because they really only need you to open that front door. So let's talk about that from a buyer perspective. Um, what does that look like? I know you, you, you see the holistic vision of, all right, I have a seller and that seller is a buyer. So I'm gonna, at that moment, you've got this unique opportunity to educate them into their home now. And then what does the next home look like? What about a buyer that's just okay. coming in? What does that look All right. Like? So with the buyer, we go through the same process. We try Great. to spend almost an hour with a buyer before we take them out. And most buyers today, why would you ever go to a real estate office? They don't even need them. Most real estate offices are no longer brick and mortar. You know, they're out of their home. Okay. Mm -hmm. So true. We don't do that because... You don't have the form or the opportunity to extract the information that the realtor needs to best help the client. They just show them homes and, and not demeaning to anybody else. But we start with a variety of things. What's your budget? And they say $500,000. Well, instinctively, how did you come up with that number? Okay. <laughs> not 507, not 498. 500, because they're round numbers. Really, 500,000. Well, in this neighborhood, the interest, the tax rate is 3.5. In this one over here in our area, it's 1.9. So that 500,000 in this area is 500, but you could buy 625 in this neighborhood. Mm. So we're now going to go through first financial. What is your budget? What are you qualified for? Why are you moving? What are you selling? Why are you, what are you trying to get? What is the growth rate? What's the appreciation rate on that neighborhood? Is it trending up? Is it trending down? What are the schools? What are your commute times? What are the bedrooms that you want? How big do they need to be? Are, is your family expanding or not? Okay. So now you're going to go through the financial aspects. Eventually we get to the house. Okay. It's the other amenities. Do you go? How often do you go out for dinner? Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a difference. Okay. If you're a homebody, private view setting, quiet, 
all of those things. If you're one that goes out all the time, well, then it's going to be convenience to restaurants and shopping. That's a different buyer, okay? You don't have parents live with you? Not, okay? Do you have kids that need special needs? Are they leaving the household? Are you having more kids? So we're going to spend the time to find everything we can about that buyer. And if anybody does this, they will hear this comment. You know, that's the first time anyone has ever asked me that. (laughs) What they do is on the phone, they'll say, I have this listing and I may have some others to show you. Let me show you this. I'll set up five or six homes. You go real quickly in this home. Do you like it or not? On to the next one. So that is before we even show a house. Why show them homes that are not going to be relevant to them? Okay. So master plan communities are different than non-master plan. If you're in a high rise, it's different than, you know, a mid rise. If you're in a planned community, you have, you have larger lots than a high rise, but they're still small. So we go through everything that they're going to do down to, if you want a pool, what's the best way to get a pool? What's the size of the pool? Who's going to do the maintenance? What are the utility bills? Wow. So the house is almost like a reflection of them in a way. It could not be better. So here's an analogy we use. Okay. And I may have mentioned that you put that on today. You dressed up for this, for our meeting. If you had been in a coat and tie I'm going to show you how physically it changes what you put on. Your posture is a little different. You act more formally than you when you do with a suit and tie. Your whole demeanor changes. If you're there in a sweatsuit or shorts, cut off old t-shirt, you tend to be more relaxed. Yeah. So we help a buyer using that example. When you go to your closet, You have not outfits, you have different personalities that you put on. Every one of them is a different personality. We need to match your inner self to that house that gives you the best ambiance and rewards for living in that house. Fantastic. So that's where it starts. High ceilings, low ceilings, colors, and everything else make a difference on how you, uh, a bright sunny day, you feel differently on a rainy dreary day. Houses are the same things. You, extra, you you feel differently in one house versus the other, and they can be very similar. So we try to identify for them what house is best for them in a long range of categories. You cannot do that when you meet them at a house, pull up, show them the house. They follow you, and now you get to the next house. You never get enough from them, Okay. So we have a meet at our office. We're back to brick and mortar. Yes. There's a reason why it's good to meet with a client. If you're going to make all this money from a buyer, we think it's worth one hour to spend with them to help them make the right choice rather than just showing them homes and they eventually find one that they liked. But was it the right home for them? Maybe. It was just the best out of the 10 you showed them. They didn't understand all the other factors until they move in. They do a lot of barbecuing. Well, do you want west-facing, south-facing? Do you want the breeze to come from the southeast? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Now we're really getting down to this. But but you do. You know these Right, because now you know them. Do you entertain a lot at home where you're going to look at when you do that, the flow of the house and everything else? And now you can relate features to benefits. The essence of sales. This home has this, this, and this, which is exactly meets what you want to do. Very private. You don't want the windows that match, you know, that open to the house five feet away from you, that you have no privacy from from any room. So it, it's the same with buyers. You do it as a skill set and you find out who your buyer is. And then we almost determine what is best for them. And we guide them, okay? We're the ones that guide them. Here's this price range in this neighborhood. Here's why this one is either higher or lower priced and why. Right. So we share that with them. We share the bad news because we're probably going to list their house once they buy it, Mm -hmm. okay? Years down the road. Because if we did our job right. They better be coming back. They'll be coming back. (laughs) And we don't want to oversell them. So the last two years, almost every single buyer, we said, 
look, when you call us, we're letting you know you got a great interest rate and you were able to move from a $500,000 house to six fifty with the same payment. How good is that? I mean, how could you That's ever do that? Crazy. Wow. The problem is you overpaid for the house. Not only did you overpay for it, you overpaid a high price and then you waived the appraisal. And then you bought the house that you didn't really like because there were the first one you tried to buy had eight offers on it and you lost it. Mm -hmm. That same group went to the next house that's similar. So now you raise the price, cut the terms and whatever else. We'll even waive inspections or whatever. Right. So you wind up getting this house that was your second or third choice that you overpaid for. But we let the buyers know that it's their only choice. Okay. But it's still a nice house. It's just that. You're upside down the day you bought it. As long as they understand that, as long as you stay with your interest rate, you can live in this house and a much better house than the one you just moved from. But when you go to sell it, when you paid six fifty for it, it was only listed for six twenty five. So you know you're already off twenty five, and it wasn't worth six twenty five anyway. It was probably worth five eighty. So you're going to be upside down. Yeah. So, but oh. they understand, and then they. They, they're still going to move, mm-hmm. but they, you know, thanks for letting us know because we're putting their interest first. Mm. Okay. I, I, in the back, here's what I'm hearing. Like is if I was a, cause I, the, the typical buyer agent model, right. Would be, I think everybody says, get them in the car, meet them at the, like get them to meet at the property so you can see them face to face. Right. That's, I think that's the typical mentality of how mm-hmm. this, the sale is going to be one. And I, and I, I'm curious, two things. One, what would you say to the person that says, well, nobody's going to come to my office, right? That's the first thing. And then two, what's your conversion rate? Like, so how often do people say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't, I, I can't come to your office, okay. right? And then what's your conversion rate on your client once you take them through this knowing, like getting to know them process? All right. Uh, part of that's a perceived objection, all right? Until the last five, six, seven, eight years ago, maybe 10 I've been in it so long that it just blows. Every customer drove into a real estate office and walked in their door, okay? Because right. they needed they needed to, because there were a perceived value that they needed to get there to find out what homes were on the market. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now that goes back again to how clients overall perceive a realtor. That's what I take very offensively. They don't see us for what we do. What Mm -hmm. value is there to meet a realtor at an office if I want to see this home? All they're going to do is unlock the door. That's all I need them to do. Wow. So I take that personally. That is the value that they see you. Okay. That is it to a degree. Okay. Because if you're showing them that home and you don't know them and they want to see your listing, The only thing they want to do is for you to open the door and see the listing. Our conversion rate is near 100%. Part of it is by location. Totally believe that. Part of it is if you don't have that perception that they won't come see you, if you override that and just ask them for the reason being, okay, and you give them a short reason. First, I want to be able to help you understand what, that neighborhood is like what the market is and what's really best for you. It'll take 15 minutes, but the more I understand about you, the better I am to help you. Okay. Mm. And I want to show you this home, but my office is, where where are you, Michael? Where where are you coming from? Yeah, we're, we would come. Yeah. We in town. Okay. Candlelight. So whatever it is, Are you five minutes, 10, 15, 20, 30, whatever minutes it is. So to challenge anybody, are you worth 30 minutes? Yeah. Should be. Should be able to convince a client that it's worth 30 minutes. Exactly. But that's if it's 30 and that's objection. All right. Then I would do the, all right. I understand 30 minutes. How about I meet you at the Starbucks or whatever right over there so I can get some info because the odds of you liking this one house, which I'm look, I represent the seller. Okay. And you, okay. I want to sell you this house, but it, but the odds are you may want something else. So let me at least help you find the right house. I'm going to show you this one, but there's others in the neighborhood. Okay. 
I have a list of others. So mm-hmm. I want to be able to do what's right for you. So let me just spend a few minutes. I'll buy you a cup of coffee, 10 minutes, so I can give you comps on the area so you can see this and whatever else, whatever you come up with on that specific listing. So you should be good enough in sales to overcome a five-minute, 10-minute objection, why to meet with them. And, it, and if you do that and you believe you're worth it, it's amazing how the clients will say yes. Yeah. They'll say yes. Wow. Sure. Okay. No, I think so, your, your, your mindset and mentality, I think what, now what I'm thinking about is my business and so, thinking about yeah. how am I, one, valuing myself how am I creating an experience for a client that is set apart from, you know, the, the industry that's saturated with, you know, many people that are doing it at mediocrity. At, yeah. Just yeah. mediocrity. And I, I'm just immediately thinking, okay, what am I doing? What am I saying? Am I, am I meeting face to face with clients? Am I right. going the extra mile? How much value, how much you, value, how much adding? value are you giving with every interaction? Yeah. Right. We're, we're all geared towards relationships, mm. okay? So when you meet someone, it's totally different, okay? Face with the voice, whatever the saying is. In your industry, it's the same thing. They have now replaced you by the computer, right? Right. Don't need to go into an office, don't need to talk to you, do not need to see you. So however you work online, you can fill out everything that you need. Just send me your tax returns. I'll call you and let you know anything that you need, okay? While you lose that business, that's that face-to-face, that relationship. And then er, who cannot not do that? Right. Okay. So Everybody every mortgage can. company can do that. Right. So not being involved in your business, but it, it follows my belief that if you're doing this for someone, you learn a lot more from them when you meet with them because it allows longer conversations to better understand that person. So you can do it on the phone somewhat, but they're always shorter conversations because it tends to be, how long are you going to be in the house? I presume. Right. Right. For sure. But a lot of agents don't do that. I mean, a lot Mm -hmm. of mortgage loan officers, brokers, for sure. what loan are you looking for? 30 year fixed. Here's the rate. You know, here's what we can do for you. And they just slide a fee worksheet electronically to somebody and say, yeah, here, I'll get that rate for you pretty quick. Decipher, decipher those numbers. I'm fast. But I'm out of here. I learned nothing about you, what your history is, what your, you know, so, but you lose that personal contact. We're humans and we, we're driven by personal contact. So that that's, I believe, where the industry, we're always in these ebbs and flows. So if you look at a lot of businesses, they decentralize, then they centralize, then they decentralize again, then they come back again. Right. Mm -hmm. So right now, the value of having an employee in the office is why would you want them there? And the employee is why do I want to travel into a downtown? So they're learning that there's a compromise. But I'll guarantee you not having employees in an office, you lose something. There's a a happy medium. Anyway, off target. But- you lose a lot when you don't meet with the client. I just think in real estate, the more that you know about your client, the better it is for the client. Okay. The better it is for the client, the better it is for you. So it goes back to, again, same thing. It always revolves doing the best for the client, run it as a business. We're, we're, we're in sales. Better to meet with the client, spend a little time with them before you just show them a house. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's like everybody does. You go in to buy something. Let's say it's a clothing store. You meet a good salesperson. Oh, he helped with that. You go back the next day. That person's not there. Do you care? No. Because <laughs> you're cannon fodder. It's just another realtor. They all do the same thing by and large. Yeah, I like that one, but this one's pretty or he's nice looking or seem nice or whatever else. Right. So we're just a commodity. Just a, That's why we left Remax. Same thing with our business. You're just a commodity. Well, you have to differentiate yourself and not be one. And ours goes back to client first to an, ex, to an extraordinary degree that we spend a lot of money that no one else would. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's our commitment. I'm not asking anyone else to do that. It works for us. may not work for you. Just saying, when you look at commissions and what you got paid, figure out how much you, you, you got paid per hour. Relate that to any other profession on earth and just see what, what you get. Okay. And, mm-hmm. that, and not feel that maybe I should do a little more for my client, maybe mm-hmm. just a little, mm-hmm. 
Right. So, wow. Anyway, that, that's kind of the essence of what drives us. Well, I love this. I, I could talk we about could, this all day. We could keep this going for Yeah. Well, hour. Mike, I really, wow. I'm, I'm challenged and encouraged just by mm-hmm. you and how you're taking care so of your true. clients and, and running your business. I think it for the listeners that are going to be listening to this podcast, I think it's a wake up call that, you know, it's, it's time to, to be professionals in our, and run a business. That's really what I think is a big takeaway for this podcast yeah. is if you're listening, it's time to you know, get back to the basics and the fundamentals, like you said. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to be able to share this podcast with people that are looking for that change. And, uh, if you're curious on, um, on Mike and his team, we're going to put all the information below that you can get in touch with Mike. Um, whether you're looking to sell a house buy, whether you're looking to, to learn and grow in the, in this industry, you know, we're, our, our, our tagline is bringing people together. So we're bringing, uh, we're people, bringing people together, together and creating a network of yeah. really, um, great professionals yeah. in this industry. Well, that's why you all will do so well. So wow. you, you're out of the box as well. So that, that's, and I want to thank you for inviting me and your overly gracious <laughs> comments and compliments. So we love anyway, what you're yeah, doing. Well, yeah, uh, we do. Yeah, we're yeah, challenged. You, you have a great business okay. model. Uh, it builds life, uh, like lifelong relationships with clients. It's exactly what we try to do as well. You create an mm-hmm. amazing experience. You give tons of value. You build a relationship. And like you said, that, that's what sales is. I mean, it really, it really is that. Yeah. And, and extended sales to get referrals, which we all want. Exactly. You know, and, and to have a satisfied client is what we live and for. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Wow. Well, I want to, again, I want to thank you for your yeah. invitation. Thanks. So hopefully Absolutely. I didn't offend. Yeah, you did too great. Many, too many <laughs> Sometimes we can all use a little but bit. But see, that's the same thing I do with sellers. <laughs> it's amazing when you tell someone that's not, they're not doing something right. They appreciate it more. They appreciate it less. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that great. kind of follows in. So awesome. Thank you all very much. Absolutely. Guys, right. we will see you next Bye. time. Next episode on the Hard Real Estate Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Heart of Real Estate podcast. If you found this episode thought-provoking and helpful, do us a favor and share it with two of your friends. Also, feel free to leave any comments or reviews. And if you want to learn more about the Mortgage Mike Group, reach out. We'd love to connect.